Hello and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies for coaching the mental game of softball. I'm Melanie Rushing, and today I'm joined by a fabulous guest to discuss the impact we can make at any level. And though this was recorded before COVID-19, it's very timely for how we can also make an impact from afar. And that's truly what lights us up, right? Before I get started, I want to thank you guys for your patience. I needed a little break after our jam-packed week with our Dream Team Blueprint Challenge, and we had a blast. Over five days of talking culture and learning how to develop it and make an impact on our girls, even through Zoom, it was such a great week. So good, in fact, we want to do it again and level up for you all. So the next challenge will drop in a couple of weeks, so keep an eye out for that. If you want to join the wait list and make sure that you get all of the informational emails, just head to mentalsweetspot.com and sign up. All right, back to our guest. She's the head coach at Wascom High School in Texas and has an impressive resume. From top SEC student-athlete to Team USA member as a player, from D1 assistant and working with the best to becoming the best as a high school coach of two teams, head girls athletic director, and leader at her school. She's got her PhD and she's also a life coach. This woman is a powerhouse of impact. So without further ado, please welcome Dr. Aya McMichael. Welcome, coach. Thank you. I'm excited for our conversation. All right, guys. So I somehow lucked into finding Dr. Mac on Twitter. (laughs) And I am so glad because you have such a wealth of knowledge to share. So please give our listeners a little background about your journey in softball all the way up to now your PhD doctor and things and God helping a lot of student athletes. Yeah, so I grew up uh, playing softball. I started at uh, five years old, um, and I just continued to fall in love with the sport. I played volleyball and basketball, but softball was that one sport that um, I just continued to stick with. And um, I had the opportunity to play um, collegiately at Mississippi State University, and I'm so glad that I did. Um, to say that I love my university is an understatement. I always joke around with some of my um, former teammates, and I'm like, guys, I am one incredible thing away from getting that Mississippi State tattoo. And they think I'm crazy, <laughs> but I'm serious. Yes. Um, I love my university, um, everything about it. I And the reason why I love it so much is because that's where – I grew the most. I mean, in those four years, I just learned so much about myself and being a teammate and just being part of something um, much bigger than myself. And then um, my junior year, I had um, the opportunity to um, get an invite from uh, Team USA to try out for the upcoming Olympics. And that was a dream come true. Um, And I didn't really, to be honest, I really didn't expect much because I had always been told that, um, you know, in your first invite, you don't really make a team. And at that time, it was an elite team and a national team. And so um, I just went there and gave it my best shot. And um, I was blessed enough to make the elite team. And um, I will say, I can still remember it. I can I will say when I got that mail with all that USA stuff, I had tears in my eyes because I knew that 
in order to put that jersey on um, and to be a part of something um, that incredible was a chance in a lifetime. And so I soaked it all in and I'm so thankful and grateful that I had that opportunity um, to play um, at, you know, with USA across my chest. And then um, upon graduating Mississippi State in 2004, um, I was um, selected uh, first round, first pick for the Akron Racers out of Akron, Ohio. And I was fortunate enough to play four seasons um, at the professional level. So I know that was a lot, and um, but those are kind of my stepping stones um, into um, athletically um, before I started my uh, career coaching. Ah, that story about Team USA gave me chills. Oh, <laughs> so good. And congrats. That's not Thank an you. easy feat. Oh, I know you, you say you were blessed and lucky, but it takes a lot of hard work. So virtual high five to you. Um, now tell us a little <laughs> bit about your, now your coaching journey and what brought you to where you are today. Yeah. Um, I always chuckle to myself because I never wanted to coach. I come from a family mm -hmm. of teachers, educators, and coaches, and I wanted no part to that. Um, my bachelor's is actually in business with an emphasis in marketing, and I wanted to be a heel clacker. That's what I'll call them. I wanted to be in high heels <laughs> and skirts and stockings and my makeup flawless, and I was going to work for some sort of corporate building, oh, uh, making big decisions. That was my, that was my <laughs> uh, goal. And, um, you know, it's, they always say, you know, you make plans and God laughs. So um, I fell into coaching because playing professionally, our season was in the summer, um, May, June, July, and the first part of August. And the only profession that made sense um, that was going to let me off really um, for those, those months was coaching. So I started off coaching at the collegiate level. Um, I coached at uh, the university of Virginia. Um, I also coached at Trinity University um, as well. And then after I left Trinity university, I kept, Peter tottering with the idea of going and coaching uh, high school. But the only thing that kept me from or made it a difficult decision was because I didn't want to go back and take any teacher tests. <laughs> and right. I was trying my best. I'm talking about I was trying my best to figure out a way to coach at the high school level without taking a certified test because <laughs> at that point I was done. Mm -hmm. And there was just no way around it. So I went through a program called I Teach Texas, which allowed me to be on a probationary period while still, you know, uh, getting my teacher certification. And um, that's when I went back into or started my career as um, a high school coach. And um, I just felt like looking back, I know that that's where I need to be, but I still had that, you know, wanting to be at a higher level. I had just got done playing and I just wanted more. You know, that was the lifestyle that I was used to being a part of. So I wanted to get back to um, coaching at the collegiate level. So I kind of bounced back and forth for a little bit. 
But now I feel like I'm pretty settled at the high school level, especially being a single mother, because it allows me the most flexibility. Um, and it just makes sense so I could be the best mom I could be and the best coach I can be. So, um, yeah, kind of a lot of, you know, back and forth. But I feel like I'm, I'm pretty settled at this particular season in my life at the high school level. Yeah, I completely get what you're talking about. The cool thing is what you realize, I think for me, was getting further away from college athletics, mostly in age, <laughs> but also <laughs> in like time spent in it, you realize coaching is coaching and we're in this for the impact and you can make just as big of an impact regardless of the level. Absolutely. You know, I, I love that you just said that because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine not too long ago. And I'm going to be honest, I had a little bit of an elitist, like, you know, I, you know, just felt like the the people at the top know the most. And that's not the case. I've expanded and I'm so glad that I was, that I've learned now, the older I get, is that there is knowledge great knowledge at all levels and coaching is coaching and impacting kids is impacting kids no matter where you are it's just a matter of getting the most out of you know our role as coaches and leaders so um I've learned that and that's why I feel settled at the high school level because I now know that that's my purpose and I'm going to tell you one of the things that was a life changer for me. So, a, well, probably more than a few years ago, I'd probably say about four or five years ago, I went through one of the NFCA classes um, that they offer. And one of them was a class at the uh, College World Series where coaches kind of took us through um, watching certain things, just the details of the game and how teams warmed up and how coaches interacted with their kids and dugout behavior and just so many things that we often don't think about in regards to, you know, how coaches manage their teams. And one of the guys there was John, John Tashita, who is, wow. I mean, uh, he's just incredible. Amazing. I just and, talked to him today. Um, what are the odds? Tell me more. Tell me more. Oh my gosh, I yeah. love that. And, I there is so I need to write him and let him know because he said something to me at that particular point in time because I was still trying to figure out where do I need to be like I love being at you know I love the power five I love you know because I was I as an athlete I played at that level but then I hear this this guy talking about um you know all this incredible knowledge that he's given and some of the big the big five coaches are coming to him for advice. And I, I had an opportunity to pull him to the side. And I was like, you know, did you have an opportunity to move up? And he said something to me and I will never forget it. He was, he said, I learned that my purpose as a coach, I don't need to be at that level to do it because I love to teach. I love to see the light bulb moment. I love to see the fire in their eyes, you know, at my level. And he said he feels like at the power of fives, you're just, you're more managing. They already have what they need. You're just managing them and making sure that, you know, 
pretty much like, yeah, just managing them. But he was like, the heart of me is, is teaching. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me because I recognized that I too foundationally love to teach. So, and you get to do a lot of that at the high school level. Let me just tell you. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, you have athletes that are coming in with, you know, different levels of skill sets and it, that being a part of their day and being a part of their skill development and growth as a student athlete is what I enjoy the most. And that's what keeps me centered when I have oftentimes opportunities to go higher or go back to college, I always remember what he said. And the heart of me is a teacher. And for for the, this particular season in my life, that's where I belong. I love that. And I so resonate with that. That is awesome. Ah, see, it's all serendipity about this old little softball coaching world. <laughs> okay. So now tell me a little bit more about the things that you're teaching now. You, we were talking earlier about you basically restructuring the culture of an entire athletic department, which is so cool, but intimidating at first, right? <laughs> how did you, once you found what you called your blueprint, how did you teach others how to build that culture? Yeah. I, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm in my fourth year and I just now feel like I can somewhat take a deep breath. Um, yeah, but I it's bet. really fun. It's really fun now because it's kind of on that way. I think of it as an, as a wheel. You know, when I first got there, it was kind of spinning and then it would spin backwards and then it would kind of get two steps again and then it'd fall off the wheel. You know, I mean, it was just crazy. (laughs) And then you're trying to figure out a rhythm. And then, you know, I, I finally had the opportunity to meet with one of my mentors that gave me a blueprint that really as a leader just helped me so much. And, you know, the late Dr. Maya Angelou says when, um, when you learn, you, you know, you teach. And when you know better, you do better. And that is what I strive to do as a leader is now that I have a better vision, understanding, and blueprint of where we are and where we need to go, then I, I feel like I can um, better lead everybody else. Um, and so now I'm starting to put together all the things that um, – I did that didn't work and that and as a teaching moment for others who call upon me for advice um and then in the same token I can kind of come up with a system and a culture to pass on to to others as well and say you know here's what we did and here's what we used and the starting point is always that you got to know where you are and that's what one of my mentors did for me is for us as a coaching staff to to really sit down and say, where are we in every facet of our program, junior high, all the way through high school. And I mean, we broke it down from overall strengths and weaknesses. And then for each um, uh, weakness, we came up with a goal. And under each goal, we came up with three to four um, 
systematic details that we felt like would help us accomplish that goal. And so whenever we have our monthly meetings, we can sit down and say, hey, we're close to our goal. Hey, this isn't working. This is working. That way we have a system. And I feel like that has been a great checks and balances for me as a leader and everyone else on my staff in their respective sports um, to have um, a, a blueprint of like, where are we going? Because I feel like as a leader, they can only follow if the vision is clear. So the clearer that I am, the better that, that they can uh, follow. That's huge. And that's such a good lesson. Even if you're quote unquote only leading your one team, <laughs> which we all know is a lot, <laughs> you have to you almost have to write it down. You have to have it down somewhere because that helps you get clear. And like you said, keep track of, Hey, are we still on the path? Cause a bazillion things will take you off the path and throw a wrench in the thing. Right. But yeah. if you have it written down and you keep learning these lessons, you're just going to keep getting better and better. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I kind of had in my mind, um, throughout our volleyball season this year is what our goal was for the year. So it was a mantra. It was a checks and balances. It became a culture. It became our verbiage. And one of the things that was really important for us as a staff is to become more synchronized. So the same vocabulary that we use at the high school, we use at the junior high. The same name for each stretch, we made sure that it's the same. So by the time they transition up to the junior high, they already know what it looks like. They already know what the name is. And then it can become a well-oiled machine. Um, and that's something that we have really worked hard at, at doing across, you know, all sports. And so it's been really cool. Um, and as the same as the drills. You know, if we call it one thing at the high school, we're going to call it the same thing at the junior high. So, um Synchronization was a really big component for us in uh, kind of pulling our culture together this year. Oh, that's a good one. And I love that you went down to the middle school level as well. Because I think I've been hearing a lot lately, and it's really relevant to my personal life, about decision fatigue. <laughs> I just uh -huh. laugh like, oh, uh, uh -huh. yeah, whoops. Um, but, <laughs> but think about it. The less we have to think of, oh, what, what's this drill or what's this thing called or how do I explain it to them? Oh, I got to re-explain it to them. The less we have to do of that or even the athletes, oh, how much more brain power do they have for all the other things they have to do? Absolutely. I think you're, you're spot on when you say that because, and I honestly didn't even recognize that component of it until you just said it because it was a lot more freeing for me and our coaching staff and our athletes because we didn't have to continue to reinvent the wheel every day, which is something that we were doing before because we didn't have a foundation. So once we had the, you know, the foundation, and I use that word a lot because I feel like it was paramount and, you know, what we're doing for our program is now it becomes easy. You know, that's the way that we check ourselves or we, are we moving in the right direction? Did we get off target this day? You know, and that's something that we talked about at the end of each practice. I like to 
bring the girls in and circle up and say, you know, hey, how did how do you feel like we uh, did on our goals today? Did we meet our goals today? If we did, that's great. If we didn't, what got us off target today? You know, maybe it was things that we can control. Maybe it was, was things that we, you know, could control. But at least it gave us something that we could focus on as a barometer of, of success, really. You know, all we, did we get 1% better today or did we not? So it was, it was huge for us. Yes, that's awesome. Do you have any examples maybe from last season since the season's just about to get going um, of a time where they did fall short and maybe it felt like a real deep dive back down, but they came together and because you had that strong foundation, they bounced back? Yeah, I really think that last year we were very inconsistent. Um, that's a, a word I feel like I could use. And it was kind of our blueprint as far as, hey, that's old Wascom. We're trying to move in a different direction. And it was it was more of like, um, I don't really feel like competing today and I'm tired today and just not really coming out hungry to get better, hungry to move the needle, hungry to be the change. And I feel like this year um, we have, it got better on both ends. Me as a leader and being able to clearly define where I wanted us to be. And then them matching that and saying, we're on board, let's do this, let's be the change. And I feel like August 1st was the very start of our two-a-days, and I feel like as a coach and as a leader, I came in very crystal clear on this is how I want it done, this is how I know that we can get it done, and I need you on board. Yeah, Before we started, I talked to every single girl in our um, program, you know, starting two-a-days and made it very clear. And I could even feel it as I was expressing it because I could see it as I was speaking it. And then the energy that I felt like was in the gym was different. And I knew it. Like from that day, I knew it. I could Mm -hmm. feel it. And it was just a matter of just being consistent and me as a leader being able to manage them in the direction that I wanted us to go. That's the hard part, though, being the man, like managing it is is hard, having a really good pulse on your team, like when to push, when to let off, Mm -hmm. when to team bonds, when to dig in and say, hey, let's go get it. Um, That's the hard part. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it there, like it's the clarity that makes that hard part of managing slightly easier, right? Because if you're still going back and forth, like, ah, maybe this would help. Maybe that's what we should be focusing on, or I don't know. Then it just makes the decisions that much harder (laughs) and hard to keep track of, okay, we're off when it comes to being committed and showing up with the right energy. So now that you're super clear, I am really excited for your team. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited too. 
All right. So I think, yeah, clarity is, is a, a, a key word for sure. Just being clear. So what tips would you give other coaches for gaining that clarity? Yeah, I love talking about this because um, I feel like the the very first thing as a leader and a coach is that there's, there was a, a short little statement that one of my mentors told me years ago when I was coaching um, at a school in East Texas. And he said, be whom you are. And he was coming in and talking to our kids because I like to bring different aspects to my program. I mean, you never know what kind of speakers I'm going to bring. I'm talking table <laughs> etiquette to resume building to nice. w- next week we're going to be doing self-defense with our kids. I mean, <laughs> the more knowledge, the better. So he was coming in and talking to our kids about uh, resumes and how to present yourself professionally for a job interview. And when he was talking to them about it, I was in the back of the room taking notes. Yep. And <laughs> I was, I was writing the notes. And when he said that, my soul paused because I was, I was like, be whom you are. I just, I kept saying that to myself over and over and over again. And that is something that stays with me as I continue to make decisions because, um, which helps me gain clarity. And here's why. So I love learning. I'm like a sponge. I, I feel like I can learn from anybody. But what I did earlier in my career is that, like, I had, I would try to become, like, I love Patty Gasso. I love everything about Patty Gasso. I have, (laughs) I I love her hard work. I've worked her camps. I love being around her. Um, When I was young, I loved uh, Pat Summit, you know, and it was just, like, I love that hard, you know, and, but then also, you know, so I felt like, earlier in my career, I kept trying to be somebody else. And that made me inconsistent. That made me frustrated. That made me, and I would have that in the back of my mind. I was like, that's not something Coach Gasso would do, or that's something Coach Gasso would do. And when he said that, I felt like that's when I slowly started chipping away, um, trying to be someone else and started to acknowledge that who I am as a person and coach is enough. And that's something that has helped me. So new coaches coming in, like, I felt like when you first come in, it's like, you're going to do everything that your college coach did or your high yep. school coach because <laughs> that's all you uh-huh. know. And not saying that that's good or bad. I'm just saying that, you know, eventually you've got to become your own. And so that, that's the first thing that I would say is like, be who you are, um, be authentic. And that will lead to consistency and clarity. Um, the second thing that I feel like is important is to, you must have a support system because being a leader oftentimes is lonely. And I am a firm believer that nobody can lead by themselves. You have to have people surrounding you who's not afraid to um, challenge you, who's not afraid to support you when you make really hard decisions that you know is going to hurt somebody, but you know is going to be beneficial for who you are as a leader and what your program is about. You've got to have those people um, around you helping you, you know, support, support yourself. Um, The other thing that I would suggest is uh, networking slash mentorship. Um, 
it's really important that you connect yourself with others um, that are similar to you as well as older than you to help you because, um, like I said earlier, you cannot do it by yourself. And the more that you can get out and get professional development and the more that you can make a phone call and say, hey, I've got this problem, what is your suggestion? And I'll even venture to say, like, as far as, like, my circle, I love going different sports. One of my absolute favorite things to do is go sit in and watch a coach practice because if you really want to know how a coach is, you got to go watch them at practice. That's who they are. That's, you know, behind the scenes. So I love watching basketball. I love watching baseball and hockey and just, like, I love being around that so you can continue to grow and stretch yourself. Um, so those will be my top three um, for new coaches coming into the profession. Mic drop. <laughs> that is perfect. And not even just new, like you continue to do this and the authentic you kind of evolves more and more, I found. Oh, this is so good. Okay. <laughs> I need to be mindful of your time because I could keep you forever. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share with coaches from your journey and then also share how people can get more of you and learn more about all the great things you're doing? Yeah, I think that um, I'm passionate about this topic um, because I do feel like we are losing a lot of women coaches and um, I understand that um, it's hard to do both. I really do. But I also think that if you find just, and here's an example. So before I came back to the high school level, this go around, I was at the college level. And I had extreme mom guilt. Um, I was making the most money I'd ever made. Um, but I saw my son very few. And I actually called on Coach Gasso about this topic because I know that she had been through that. And, and I called on some other people as well, but I just couldn't, it just, no matter how much I talked to them, that guilt would not go away. It was like sitting in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And as much as I told myself, other people have done it, other people have done it, other people have done it, it just didn't feel right. And I really didn't have a support system because I was so far away from home. So not only did I not have a support system, um, my, like when my son was involved with his sport, like, like I can, I mean, I get emotional thinking about it. It was like, I was his only support system and I wasn't even in the stands and I just could not sit well with that. Um, and so there were moments of time where I felt like I wanted to get out of coaching because I was like, I can't do that. And I felt like, you know, I wanted to coach at the college level. And then, um, if, I mean, I knew I had to do make a change and I had thought about, you know, several different things, but I still have like during, um, my busy season, like volleyball and then, you know, softball is almost here. I still have a little bit of mom guilt, but it's definitely not as much as I felt before because I have at the high school level, have flexibility in my job to where if there's something going on during the day, I'm able to be there for my son. 
for example, today he had uh, their third grade awards at nine. I was able to be there front and center. Um, has his basketball games. I'm there because I'm the head coach. I have the ability to kind of make sure that, you know, I'm able to be at both. Um, and clearly there's times that I'm not, but I mean, it's very rare. Um, and then he's able to, to ride the bus with us. He's able to be in the dugout with us. He's there at practice with us. And so I'm still able to get that time. And so I don't have as much, but, um, I would definitely encourage you to, to seek other support systems instead of feeling like you can't do it at all, because I do feel like women are incredible leaders. I feel like we have so much to give to our kids. I feel like we can empower them and encourage them and help them have a voice um, and show them that we can, we can be incredible mothers and great leaders at the same time. And so, um, and I clear, I definitely know that there's situations where you can't do that, but I don't want, I hope that by others hearing this message that they feel like maybe it's just a different route. Maybe I need to go in a different, you know, area. Maybe I, instead of college, maybe I need to go to high school instead of high school. Maybe I do travel ball or club ball or, or something. But I, I feel like um, a lot of women feel like they can't. And um, I just don't want to lose, and you know, really great women to be leaders for our for our youth um, if they don't have to. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, makes so much sense. And then here I am on the other side, taking a break purposefully. Um, I did it on purpose. <laughs> it was my choice. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you also find the other side of you where we were talking about identity. Like I am a softball coach. I cannot wait to get back on the field. And though right now is not the time, I hope soon-ish, <laughs> I know that that will also help me be my best version of mom too. Yeah. Absolutely. I really think, I think the experience all around, like your kids seeing you on the field and on the court and getting that perspective from you as an athlete, I think that's invaluable too. I agree. I think just them seeing the ups and downs of, you know, what motherhood looks like, you know, Um, especially being a single mom where you're trying to juggle it all and knowing that it's hard, but it can be done. And I can still, you know, and I, I am so just talking about this. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Like the word <laughs> for this year, the my word for this year is passion. And I love being around people who are passionate about what they do. It just fires me up. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's for in the sports world or not in the sports world. I just like people who love what they do. And um, coaching is just something that, fires me up and I love all of it. And the more, the older I get, um, the more I understand that it's so much more than the X's and O's um, as far as developing um, our kids. And I always tell our girls, if you just learn sports from me, then I have failed as your coach because it is so much more than that. 
And um, I want you to leave my program knowing more than just how to throw a ball or how to spike a ball or how to dig a ball or, or hit, hit a ball. Um, if that's all you learn, then I didn't do my job. So um, it's something that I, I take so, um, I take such pride in being a coach and a leader because, and I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute, but I just feel like we do a disservice if we don't um, because we spend more time with someone else's kids than they do, then we have to get it right. We must get it right because we are the bridge for those kids' parents who aren't there. And it's something that I learned when my child was very young and I was trying to find him a daycare and a friend of mine said, you realize that whoever you choose to watch your child is going to be with him more than you are. And my heart sank because I was like, that's so true. Yeah. And now as a mom, I realized that I realized more how important my role is as a coach and I'm going to get choked up talking about it, but, um, we have to do it right. We have to come in right. We have to be ready to talk to these kids and be available for these kids. And I would want someone, uh, my son's coach, to do the same one day. And when he's in high school and um, he comes in the coach's office, that the coach pours into my son like I pour into these kids. Um, it has to be more than just a paycheck. Um and it, it burns me up when I hear coaches talk like that because I I really encourage them to exit the profession if that's, you know, how they think about it because these kids deserve our attention. Um, they deserve our support. And that that's our job. And we have to do it right. And that is a wrap for this episode. To keep up with Dr. Mack or reach out to learn more about her life coaching or what she's doing on the field and off, Follow her on Twitter at IAMAC, that's I-Y-H-I-A-M-A-C, and or email her at drcoachmack at D-R-C-O-A-C-H-M-A-C-K at gmail.com. So are you finding this show helpful while you're on lockdown, keeping your mind off of things and helping you still grow as a coach? And we'd truly appreciate if you shared the show with a friend who you also think could benefit. If you're really feeling generous, head to your podcast player choice and give us a review. Five little stars can help us reach more coaches like you as we build our club of sweet spotters and all make a bigger impact together. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions at any time, please feel free to reach out to me at mel at mentalsweetspot.com or shoot me a message on Twitter at Coach Mel Rushing. That's all I got for today. Thank you again for joining us. And until next week, have a good one.